What's up, guys? Welcome back to All Good Points. It's your favorite sports podcast that's hosted by me, Ricky Gray Jr. What a wild card weekend. A weekend full of upsets, overtimes, close games. I mean, you can't ask for much more. So let's take a look at this past weekend and make some picks for the divisional round. Remember to rate and review All Good Points on your favorite podcast platform. Follow me on Instagram at All Good Points Podcast and on Twitter at Ricky Gray Jr. Now it's time to start the show. So I had the idea that I would bring it back to the funk. And I don't know if that's funk or jazz or whatever you want to call it, but hopefully it made you feel good. Hopefully it got you moving around while you're driving or doing the dishes or whatever the hell you're doing when you're listening to me. But hopefully you enjoyed that. Um, So of course, first things first, we need to get to some breaking news around the league. What might interest you is that Gardner Minshew is taking a world trip in his RV called Miles with Minshew. I have no I have no idea why he's doing this in the offseason. Um I think it's just like one of those times where like a really fun loving guy gets into the NFL and there's nothing anybody can do about it and they're like, "Yeah, I guess I guess we've got this guy, so hopefully it works out." But yeah, so he's taking an, an RV uh, RV tour. Um fingers crossed that it goes well for him and he uh it goes off without a hinge and and no problems, but you know, yeah, that's that's Gardner Minshew for you. Uh, moving on, the Cowboys have finally, you know, completely let go of Jason Garrett, and uh, good on them. Good on them. They needed to move on from him. I don't know what the situation was as far as uh, him not leaving or him wanting something to do with the organization for the long term. I don't know what that whole deal was because I had heard something about like him being upset with the the deals that they were offering him. Like maybe they were offering him positions on the staff and he didn't want to have anything to do with that he wanted his head coaching job but it's kind of like one of those things where you don't really get you really truly don't get any say in it like if they want to let you go and they're offering you a position like you know somewhere in the front office or something like that and you decline it it's like okay well you've declined our offer now it's time for you to go you don't get to like sit here and negotiate with me about whether or not I get to keep you around. Like, I've already decided that I'm going to fire you if you don't accept this job. You're fired either way. It's just one way you get to keep a job inside the organization. The other way, we get security and they they move you out. Now, I don't know, like, the the intricate workings of, of what happened with Jason Garrett there, but at the same time, I think it was about time. I actually truly think it was past time for uh, Dallas to move on from Jason Garrett. Clearly, it wasn't working out. You know, he's had countless seasons with these guys. There's tons of talent on that team. So Dallas decided to bring in Mike McCarthy, the former coach of the Green Bay Packers, a uh, coach that's got a, you know, a Super Bowl ring under his belt. And that uh, that just kind of helps. You know, it kind of helps to have that experience and uh, the things that he was able to do with the Aaron Rodgers-led offense. Although a lot of it was Aaron. Um, Mike McCarthy did do a lot to kind of get that team to where it was and win that Super Bowl. So I don't want to take any credit away from Mike McCarthy. I do think that if you guys remember earlier, I said that the Packers needed to let him go, um, which was true. It was time for them to move on from that style of offense to move into the offense that they have now under Matt LaFleur. 
so it's it's a good idea that you know Dallas was able to pick up somebody, a story veteran coach like Mike McCarthy, and hopefully they have a better season than they have had before. Uh, moving on, the Rams let go of defensive coordinator Wade Phillips. That's um that's a that's a good idea for them. Their defense was lackluster these last couple of years. I don't know if necessarily anything changes it uh, changes after you know letting go of Wade Phillips. I'm not necessarily sure. The only thing that I, I think happens when you fire somebody is that, that there's like a, a new kind of life and a new sense of urgency to uh, to get something done. But, you know, at the same time, Wade's been in the league for a long time. And I don't think that I don't think that he's going to be out of a job. I think that a lot of places could use a coach like Wade Phillips, especially on the defensive side of the ball. It's just lately the Rams have been pretty lackluster. And I think that's their reason for, you know, getting rid of him. Um Moving on to a tag Tagovailoa. I hope that I'm saying that night that name right. T- Tagovailoa. Anyways, sorry. Tua from Alabama um, has declared for the draft. He's deciding to enter. So the you know lingering ailments that he has, obviously he doesn't think are going to be too much of an issue. Uh, there's there's some people that are saying that Tua goes pretty high. I don't think he does. I think enough people have done some scouting to figure out that maybe Tua isn't as dynamic of a quarterback as they thought he was, and I don't think he necessarily uh, he necessarily garners a whole lot of attention. Of course he's going to get drafted. Of course he's going to get drafted, right? Because y- you have to take him. Somebody has to take him at you know some point. I just don't think that you know he's necessarily as good as a lot of other people think he is. Uh, so let's talk about this this past weekend's game. First off, let's talk about the afternoon game, Houston versus Buffalo. Uh, Houston was able to beat Buffalo 22-19. to Now, this is kind of like an interesting thing because, you know, Buffalo was leading for a very long time. At one point, it was 16-0 to in the third quarter with six minutes left, right? And then out of nowhere, it was like Buffalo just took their foot off of the gas and was like, all right, well, I guess we're supposed to pack it in and go home. We only have to play three quarters. Um, so that's unfortunate. Because the Bills had had a chance to do something that was really special, and uh, instead of doing that, you know, they they kind of just shit the bed a little bit. As as I had said, you know, when Buffalo got into the playoffs, that um that this regardless was a win for the Buffalo Bills organization, right? This wasn't this isn't a loss by any means of the wor- world. They were a uh, word. They were able to go into the playoffs. They were able to play a team like the Texans. They got close to winning. They had a chance to win, yes. But at the same time, this is a very, very young football team, and we haven't seen the last of the Bills getting into the playoffs. So on the plus side, I think that the Bills have a lot to build on from this year. Get it? Bills have a lot to build. Anyways, um, <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh and why I said it, but I said it, so deal with it. Um, on the opposite side of the ball, the Texans kind of let that game get away from them in the first three quarters. I'll say the first three quarters. Uh, De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins was shut down. Deshaun Watson was shut down. Their running game was shut down. They couldn't do anything for, you know, three and a half quarters for the most part. Now, they're going to go on to play the Chiefs. The The Texans are going to go on to play the Chiefs, and we'll preview that game in a second. But if, if Houston's not able to get that offense going very, very quickly, they're going to be in a whole lot of trouble. We'll talk about that a little bit later on, but Houston, good on them for winning. You know, uh, Deshaun kind of did his classic Clemson style of coming back and winning games, which was nice to see. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 he's a, a very dynamic and fun football player to watch. So I do like to see him win. Um, I just think that they 
kind of they kind of got they kind of got one there. They kind of got one given to them there because uh you know, the Bills had them dead to rights and ended up letting letting go of that lead. Uh moving on, probably the biggest shocker of the weekend, the Tennessee Titans were able to beat the New England Patriots 20 to 13. I have told you guys before that, you know, Tennessee has the number for a lot, a lot of AFC teams. This is a team that runs the ball very, very well. Derrick Henry, 34 carries, 182 yards, and one touchdown. Now, now let me just converse that with saying what Ryan Tannehill put up. Ryan Tannehill, 8 for 15, 72 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. He had to do absolutely nothing. That's the beautiful part of this team is that he had to do absolutely nothing. There was no pressure there was no, there was no, hey, we need you to throw the ball. We, you have to throw the ball. And this is against a New England's defense that isn't bad against the run, right? It's not like New England is, is like some schlubs against the, against the run. They're, they're not horrible. You know, it's just Derrick Henry is such a powerhouse that it's very, very hard to do anything against him. Now, on the opposite side of the ball, you have things like, you know, New England having some struggles throughout the season because they don't have weapons. That's a tough thing for any team. Imagine if, you know, a lot of a lot of you guys are, we'll just say, say you're Vikings fans or say you're whoever fans, right? Say your top two wide receivers are gone. There's nobody there. And you, you just have to pick to either throw to your running back or to, you know, a relatively good wide receiver, and then, you know, a slot wide receiver who isn't the biggest guy, so he can't do possession kind of. It's just a lot of the the offensive threats that the Patriots had had, you know, in past years, they're all gone. You know, they got Julian Edelman still. They got Muhammad Sanu. But at the same time, it's like those guys aren't really like that household name route running kind of great wide receiver that the Patriots are used to having, you know, and they were used to having a very big body tight end in, in Rob Gronkowski. And now that he's gone, you know, that kind of ship has sailed and you don't have that dynamic, huge tight end, you know, the playmaker that can that can catch pretty much anything you throw at him. He's bigger than a lot of guys. He's very physical. He can block well. There's a lot of things that get taken out of your game. Now, as good as the Patriots are at scheming against people, it becomes very, very difficult when most of your offensive weapons are taken away. It becomes a very, very hard game to play when you're trying to, you know, put together some sort of drive and you don't have anybody that can extend the drive for you, you know? So the one of the questions that is, you know, circling around the league is whether or not Tom Brady is going to stick with the Patriots. Here's my thing on that. He has absolutely no reason to actually leave the Patriots. What's his reasoning? He knows he's going to get money, right? He know, You know he's going to stay. You know Kraft loves him, so Kraft's going to pay him, right? And he knows that people are going that the, the New England front office is going to draft around him and get him some weapons this year. He knows that they know that he needs people to throw to. It's not like Tom Brady is some schlub of a quarterback that can't throw the football. He's proved time and time again that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league and one of the smartest guys on the field. So what has to happen is the the New England organization needs to get him people that can actually run routes, right, that can catch balls, that can go up and get it, that are going to work hard every single play, and people to help him and support him. Until they do that, the Patriots are going to continue to have problems. But they knew that going in this year. You know, the Patriots going to the playoffs was something that Honestly, not a lot of people really were betting on anyways. You know, they're, oh, it's the death of the Patriots and so on and so forth. And even me sometimes, there'd be times where I was like, you know what? It doesn't look like these guys are are playing like their, their normal selves. 
But at the same time, I believed in the scheme and the process that the Patriots have in place to kind of remedy these things. And against Tennessee, unfortunately, they couldn't do those things. It it looked like when they played the Rams in the Super Bowl, where it was just like the Patriots were able to do pretty much whatever they wanted on the ground against the Rams and then stop the Rams from doing anything. That's basically what happened. Tennessee was able to shut them down on offense because they don't really have anybody to worry about on offense, right? You have to worry about the run game, and that's about it. But um, they, they didn't have to worry about Tom finding people like Gronkowski or, you know, when they had Antonio Brown, they would have to scheme for Antonio Brown. So since they didn't have to do any of that, the the defense kind of just had free reign and just got after it, you know, and that's that's kind of what happened. They were off the ball faster and Tom just couldn't really, you know, mount a drive to do anything to keep it going. Um, I do believe that he'll be back in, in New England. I, I believe he'll be back as a Patriot that's just the way that I feel. Uh, moving on, another upset, another six-seed upset. The Minnesota Vikings were able to take down the uh, New Orleans Saints. Now, this is one that I could tell you that, yeah, I kind of saw that one coming. Um, New Orleans is a interesting football team where at, like, if you, can, if you can shut down certain players, you can pretty much shut down the team. Now, Minnesota was able to shut down New Orleans' offense for the better portion of the game. For a very sizable portion of the game, up until the fourth quarter, the, the Saints' offense didn't really look like much of anything. Um, the, the offense of the Minnesota Vikings, however, was efficient for the most part. You know, Dalvin Cook, 28 carries, 94 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Kirk Cousins, 19 for 31, 242 yards, and uh, one touchdown. And then Adam Thielen had seven receptions for 129 yards. And it's really like, you know, Kirk's guy is back. You know, he finally has his guy back that he's built up this this rapport with. And he was doing well throwing to Diggsy too. But at the same time, him and Adam have kind of had this thing throughout last season and the beginning of this season where they kind of just know each other. They just kind of have a feel for how the other one is going to run the route. You know, whereas with, with Diggs, you know, Kirk has to be really, really fast off the ball. He has to throw quickly. He has to, you know, throw directly to... Uh, Steph and and make sure that he puts Steph in the best position to you know get the run after the catch which is why usually Steph is running the shorter routes but I mean we saw clearly Steph can pretty much burn anybody like it's not that dude's a great runner you know he's got great legs uh Adam was able to kind of seal the deal with a bent back catch if you look at the way that his back is in that catch it is insane how he caught that but it was a dime by Kirk, too, because Kirk put it in the one place that nobody else could touch it. And that's what they talk to you about when a, a, a lot when it comes to quarterbacks is being able to put the ball where no one else can get it, where it's either your guy or nobody. And that's what Kirk did right there. Um, you know, they, they went on to kind of say, you know, some offensive pass interference late in the game in the overtime. And, you know, that's yeah, there was a lot of hand fighting going on. There's a little bit of a push. But at the same time, when there's hand fighting, you have to have a clear and obvious pass interference. And that just, I don't think it was clear enough. And even the guys for the NFL were saying the same thing. So I don't think I'm necessarily wrong or being too biased there. If there wasn't any hand fighting to begin with and Kyle Rudolph did that, then I would say, sure, offensive pass interference. But considering the hand fighting and the grabbing and things like that, that's just kind of the way that it goes. Unfortunately, when you have somebody that small against somebody that big, anything that that, uh, that opposing or offensive player does can look like pass interference. But the problem is it's just the other person is so small that anything the other person does is just, you know, it, it can move them around a little bit. Um, 
the Saints, you know, they they shouldn't hang their hat on on you know the the loss or anything like that. They shouldn't be upset with themselves. They got to the playoffs after having a thirteen and three record, another stellar season by Drew Brees. It's not like it's not like this is the last that we see the Saints in the playoffs, right? As long as Drew is there, they're more than likely going to get to the playoffs. And even with Taysom Hill, they probably get to the playoffs with him too because he's one hell of a runner and he could throw the football too. Uh, so so there's no reason for, for the Saints to uh, be too upset about this loss, but it is a big win for the Vikings. Uh, moving on for the last game, it was a an, an interesting one, to say the least. The Seattle Seahawks versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Seattle was able to win this game 17-9 and was pretty much in control the whole game. Unfortunately, Carson Wentz went down early. And, uh, you know, the injury bug strikes again for uh, for Carson Wentz. But Russell Wilson, one hell of a game, 18 for 30, 325 yards, one touchdown. DK Metcalf, seven receptions, 160 yards, one touchdown. It's insane. Their connection is insane, right? Like that's and the the, the wherewithal on that touchdown by uh, by DK Metcalf, where he's falling to the ground, realizes that he doesn't get touched. So he pops right back up and dives into the end zone. That's what you want to see out of a wide receiver. This is the kind of thing that the Patriots are missing, right? This is what we're talking about when we say that the Patriots are missing something. They're missing a wide receiver like that. Um, it's great to see. I, I, Out of the two teams that, that played that game, I definitely wanted to see Seattle win. Uh, that has nothing to do with my opinion or, or the way that I feel about the Eagles. It's just the Eagles didn't... I don't feel like the Eagles really had enough anyways to compete with the rest of the teams that were in the playoffs. So I don't really think it's kind of like, I don't, this sounds messed up, but it's not really their place to be there this year. I do think that the Eagles need to address the Carson Wentz situation. This is getting serious. This guy is injured more often than not. It's time for you to cut your losses and find yourself a quarterback because I do not think that Carson Wentz is going to last in the NFL. After that ACL injury, it's just been bad. It's just been rolling downhill ever since then. Uh, So let's take a quick break and uh, preview this divisional round. I just wanted it to keep going, so I figured I'd give you guys a couple extra seconds of me just scatting instead of the actual music. Sorry, I'll never do it again. Uh, so let's talk about this divisional round that we got going, which is I know why everybody is here. Okay, so first off, we got Minnesota versus San Francisco, a game that I think is going to go down in infamy as one of the best playoff games ever. Uh, this is two really 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 tough teams right really tough defenses you got the front seven of san francisco against the stout running game of minnesota you got the front seven of minnesota going against the stout running game against san francisco i think this is going to be one of the funnest games that we've got to watch the entire year um i think the the battle that's going to go down between jimmy garoppolo and Kirk cousins is going to be crazy to watch it's going to be corners versus receivers you got richard sherman on one side and Adam Thielen on the other and Stefan Diggs on one side and you know on the opposite side you got people like uh like Debo Samuel on one side and and Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes on the other and you know Everson Griffin, Daniel Hunter, DeForest Buckner, Nikki Bosa. There's there's so much talent in this game. Like 
I can't honestly hype this game up enough. If you're not excited about this game out of all the other games that are going on this weekend, if you're not the most excited to watch this one, I don't think you've been watching football the entire year. This is two really good football teams colliding. That's going to be great weather because it's in San Francisco, so it'll be a little bit cold, but nothing that you know neither team is is not uh, not used to. So. I don't think the cold will come into uh, come into factor. You got like you know a little bit of a cool breeze coming off of the bay, but I mean that's not that's not really a big deal for anybody. But I mean just think about it. Just two great quarterbacks uh, against you know two great running backs, Matt Breida, Dalvin Cook, um, two kind of like wary offensive lines. You know the the I would give the edge to you know San Francisco as far as offensive line goes. Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, prediction wise, I think I have to take. I've got to take the one seed in this game playing at home. San Francisco wants to get back to winning Super Bowls. That's that's really what they're that's what that organization is built on. That organization has been built on Super Bowls. So I have to take San Francisco, but do not be surprised if you see an upset. Uh moving on. Another another six seed playing a one seed. Uh Tennessee goes on to play Baltimore in Baltimore. Now, if Tennessee can run the ball as well as they did against the Patriots against Baltimore, then I'd say Tennessee has this one in the back. Uh, but there is a deadly person on the offensive side of Baltimore that they have to worry about, and that's Lamar Jackson. Um, this is a kind of a situation where I feel like Tennessee might just be a little bit outmatched when it comes to, you know, who are you going to put against Lamar Jackson? If they can pressure him and close the pocket in on him, the the thing that I want to point out that's really important is making sure that on quarterbacks like Russell Wilson, um, Deshaun Watson, and uh, Lamar Jackson, and guys like guys of that sort. You have to be able to close the pocket in a almost like a circle around them. Like you can't you can't like close it from one side and kind of pinch them because they can kind of wiggle out whatever opening is there. So you have to make sure you close completely as a circle. If you watch Patrick Mahomes, anytime they collapse the pocket on him, he backs out from the back. So you kind of have to adjust your schemes to make sure that he stays stuck inside of that pocket or have a really fast edge rusher, uh, which can kind of help with that. So in that one, I think I got to take the one seed again just because Baltimore's playing at home, and I don't think that Tennessee has a way to deal with Lamar Jackson just yet. Uh, moving on, Houston at Kansas City. I got to take Kansas City in this one. You know, Even though it's Deshaun Watson versus Patrick Mahomes, I think Pat I think Pat goes to the Super Bowl this year guys. I really do. As much as I like Baltimore. I do like Baltimore, but I do think that I do think this is this is Patrick's year to to go to the Super Bowl. And finally we'll finish off with Seattle and Green Bay. I think this is going to be another titular matchup. Uh two of the two of the best in the league, especially on the NFC side. This is two of the best teams in the league. Um playing in Lambeau, really really cold. But I think the Seahawks take this one, man. The Seahawks really want this, you know. They bring in Marshawn Lynch to kind of help their running game because a ton of people get injured. Russell is playing MVP caliber football. And I don't know why we don't just give it to him already because he fucking deserves it. But uh, this is going to be a fun one too. It's just going to be a little bit colder. So I don't think, not a little bit, honestly, it's going to be really, really fucking cold. I would not be surprised if this game is like snowing for like 90% of the time. Um... But this is, uh, I think this is one of those times where you see, you know, how uh, how bad Green Bay's defense is. You know, Green Bay at the beginning of the season was, was talking about how great their defense is. And then after that, you kind of got to see it taper off and they kind of started, you know, faltering on defense. And I think Seattle's going to expose that, especially on the uh, the DK Metcalf matchup. If, if Russ is able to throw the ball to people like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, Believe me, this is this could get out of hand pretty fast. But, you know, Aaron doesn't quit, and that's one of the things that everybody loves about Aaron. So 
Uh, I got to take Seattle. I'm taking Seattle in that game. I think that's the one that's the one home game where I'm going to be taking the the away team. I think that's the only away team that pulls a pulls a win off this weekend. Um hopefully I'm wrong. I mean honestly, I'd rather I'd I'd rather be wrong and say that, you know, Tennessee and Minnesota get to move on, not Houston, but you know, I think uh, I, I think it'd be great to see Tennessee and Minnesota move on to see, you know, how far and how deep they can get into this and and see if they can actually get to the Super Bowl because it's been a while for both of those teams, but it has been a while for San Francisco and it's been a while for the Chiefs too. So, you know, hopefully uh hopefully we get to see a whole lot of fun football this weekend. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Please remember to, you know, rate and review and share it with your friends and, you know, if you feel, have any questions or you want to email you know, picks in or anything like that, just hit me up either on Instagram or on uh, on Twitter at All Good Points Podcast. And, you know, follow the personal Twitter at Ricky Gray Jr. Be on the lookout for some of the articles that I write. And I'll probably be, be releasing a uh, another podcast here pretty soon. So keep your ears and your eyes open, and I will see you next time. <laughs>